The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Welcome to Three Yards Per Carry, a podcast covering the Miami Dolphins and the NFL. Now, here's your hosts, Chris, Alf and Simon. And we're on and welcome to another edition of Three Yards Per Carry. I'm Alfredo Arteaga. I have Simon Clancy here. I'll have Chris Kaufman in the second half of the show because we had to separate him today. (laughs) But in this first half of the show, me and Simon are going to properly rip Tua Tungabaloa, a new asshole. So if if you don't like our quarterback, uh, this show's for you. <laughs> okay. But as always, we're brought to you by Manscaped. Use promo code 5RSN. You get 20% off your entire order and free shipping. As you can tell, tell I'm a little bit frazzled, kind of like how Tua started that game off yesterday. And, of course, betteredge.com slash the number five reasons. Go there, sign up. You get a $25 sign-up bonus. And as always, prize picks. You use promo code 5 F I V E. You deposit $100, they give you $100. It's a one time rollover, which in essence means that they're giving you $100. Take it. All right. I was being a little bit hyperbolic, but I will say this. In that same game yesterday, Tua had some of his best throws of the season to go with what, which was. What you can only describe as a putrid start. He just missed wide open people to start that game. And I understand that it's fashionable to, yeah, and I understand. Okay. He was not a full strength. He did not have his two tackles, although one tackle, let's, let's be real, is probably on the way out. And we'll talk a little bit about that as they signed Eric Fisher today. But I don't think that was an excuse. If you want to blame play calling, I thought it was horrendous. You can't run the ball eight times. Like, I'm sorry, you you can't do that. That's not football. And you're exposing your quarterback to even more pressure against a great defensive line when you do that. So, yeah, if you want to blame anybody else, I guess you could blame Mike McDaniel. But I thought Tua had a bad start. He played okay in the second half, okay in the fourth quarter. Uh, but he still had that that dumb turnover. On that pass to Tyreek, that was just completely 100% on him. You could debate the Wilson one, but, you know, the, the wheel route to Jeff Wilson, like at worst, that's a 40-yard gain. At best, it's a 70-yard touchdown. You know, I thought he he would, you know, aim small, miss small, and he threw him toward the sideline. Uh, you know, that's something you can do to a pretty seasoned wide receiver that can adjust to a ball like that. There's no evidence that Jeff Wilson, although he's a very, very good pass catcher, that he can adjust to a ball like that that's being thrown toward the sideline. And first of all, what the hell are you doing throwing the ball toward the sideline anyway? You're not protecting the ball from a safety. Safety wasn't coming over. He was late. And not only was he late, he was completely out of position. All right, I rented enough. Your thoughts, Simon? Listen, I'm going to caveat this by saying uh, this, okay, which is that yesterday was an amazing experience in many ways because the Dolphins, for the first time in a very long time, were relevant 
in the first week of December, right? Everybody was talking about us this week. It, there were two big games on Sunday. It was the Bengals against the Chiefs and it was the Dolphins against the, the, the 49ers in a great Sunday late window, okay? Four great games in the late window. But we were relevant. People were talking about us all week, okay? We have got ourselves into a position where we were eight and three and we were looking like, and still are looking like, a playoff team. People were talking about, uh, about us as a Super Bowl team, right? We have a quarterback who was absolutely firmly second or third in the MVP race, depending on what your, you know, some people would say first, but I would say probably second or third in the MVP race behind Mahomes. Okay. When, when was the last time that happened? Okay. Classic Dan Marino time. I mean, I can't mm-hmm. think much, you know, I mean, Chad Pennington had a great season, but when we won the division, but was he in the MVP race? No, we had the chance yesterday. We were on the road against a big NFC West team, a big, bad NFC West team that's been in three of the, uh, what, the last three NFC Championship games or two of the last three NFC Championship games. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, was a overthrown ball from Jimmy Garoppolo away from winning the Super Bowl against mm-hmm. the Chiefs. So that's the that's the caveat to this, yeah? So we were in a position. And that what, what infuriated me more than anything was that we just didn't take that. We did what we always, always do, which is we folded... We didn't play to our potential. We didn't play the way that we played. We didn't show the nation that we're watching when we're in this big window that this is who we are now. This is what we can do now. And that, I think, I found the most frustrating thing. I didn't think the quarterback played very well. I don't agree with you that I think he made his best, some of his best throws of the season. Um, And I think, you know, he, in the second half of the show, Chris and I had a very passionate discussion this afternoon and I was going to say Chris apologised to me, and that makes it out to be really bad. We had a really nice chat on WhatsApp. There were literally everybody that was watching it going, I hate our parents arguing. And we really weren't arguing. We were just chucking beer nuts at each other because we come at it from two different points. But ultimately, we you know generally think the same thing. But my, my point is that, you know, you hit the first, you, you hit the touchdown on the first play. Amazing. That's great. It was an amazing play design. You look at the play design. You've got motion with Tyreek, who then doubles back. You've got scissors motion in the, in the backfield with the two backs. To his eyes to to Tyreek, draw three defenders, and he just literally no look throws it to to Sherfield, who just outruns everybody for a touchdown, seventy five yards, boom, away you go. Oh wait, not to to pat myself on the back, but somebody talked about their their palms rules, and yeah, did you yeah. notice the safety move off of yeah. one hash to the other? <laughs> but but from that point on, I, I found it maddening that the guy and I look, I know I'm I know I'm hard critical on him, okay. But I'm hard critical on him because I know how good he can be. But I'm also bored of not having a quarterback that's in the same conversation as Aaron Rodgers, in the same conversation as Joe Burrow, in the same conversation as Pat Mahomes, in the same conversation as Josh Allen. Yeah, consistently, right? Year after year, not just through seven games. What I, what I want to see is a guy where the people talk about the best quarterbacks in the NFL. They talk about our guy because it's been long enough for us. Okay, we had that in the 80s and the and the 90s, but it's been a long time. It's been 25 years, right? I, I want that because you have one of those guys, you have one of those aliens, as I've referred to them on this podcast over and over. You have a guy like that, they can get you significant places year in, year out, all right? So for me to see him come out after that, you know, throw the ball into the ground with Waddle, overthrow guys, you know, he. I just found it maddening because he's so much better than that. And he had the opportunity. Like, this is what frustrates me about, and we talked about it a little bit on the podcast, we talked about it a lot in OnlyFans, when people suddenly go around after seven games of beating, like, look, he performed mag- He has performed magnificently this season. The flip side of that is you can say, well, he's just beat Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Houston, Detroit, Chicago. 
not amazing teams, all right? You go up against a big team and he doesn't perform well. It's December. And when you have people going around going, oh, I'm collecting receipts and all these things, that then opens you up every time he doesn't play very well, like yesterday, to, well, you know, now look what a dick you've made of yourself. But you just think you come out and you, you, your your bread and butter, the thing that has put you firmly in the MVP race, is your accuracy, is your footwork, is your timing. And it was so off yesterday. It wasn't even just marginally off. And people were messaging me going, yeah, but you know, he's not playing with arms. He's only played seven games with Toronto Armstead. He's played two and a, two seasons and a little bit with really bad offensive linemen. He is not, there's not ghost pressure. You know, there were a lot of throws where he had no pressure whatsoever and he missed open guys. He threw into the ground in front of Jalen Waddle. He missed Waddle on a touchdown when he, he, there was no pressure, but he did a good job of stepping up and then rolling to his right. And he literally has Waddle by two steps and, and there's no way uh, Hufanga's getting across the field and he just overthrows Waddle. The Jeff Wilson wheel route, like you say, minimum 40 yards, it's probably a 70 yard touchdown and he throws it outside when you just, just lead him inside. <laughs> yeah, you know, Chris, Chris will make a great point later. Chris will defend to a later and, and I completely respect Chris's opinion. I don't agree with it, but I completely respect it. And he makes an excellent point about how amazing, and we talked about this last week, how amazing Fred Warner and uh, uh, Azir Al-Shahir and Dre Greenlaw are and were yesterday in terms of the ability to get depth on their drops because it made a couple of those throws where he was trying to feather the ball in and he missed. He he, he threw too high because he was trying to get over Fred Warner and Greenlaw and he missed small guys and I totally take that. But there were lots of throws where he didn't need to feather it in and he overthrew or he threw guys wide. I mean, he threw a, he threw a pass to Waddle and Waddle was wide open and he tried to feather it over the top. If he leads him to the sideline, it's a massive game. The safety's not getting there. There's another one he threw Waddle out of bounds. I don't know. I just It was just like, oh, this is so, so frustrating because you have an opportunity now to take the national stage in a big game and really show the country and stick two fingers up to everybody and be like, you know what, this is who I am now. This is There's no more questions now. There are no more questions. You've seen what I can do. You saw what I could do against Buffalo. You saw what I could do against Baltimore. You can make whatever you want. You can say whatever you want to say about the defenses of Cleveland and Pittsburgh and, and Detroit and Houston and all those kind of inverted commas cupcakes that you're beating up on because this is what I did to the best defense in the NFL. And he had the chance to do it. It wasn't like... It wasn't like he was fitting balls into tight windows and they were being knocked away or the defense was taken away. Or, yes, there was some pressure at times. He got sacked three or four times. There was a strip sack fumble. But on the misses, on the key misses in the first half, which could have put you up potentially 21 to 7 or 21 to 3 even or 21 to 10 on the road in a massive game and giving you the momentum, he missed those throws. And that is the most frustrating thing. For me as a fan, but also as a critic in terms of, you know, looking and wanting that, desiring him to be, maybe I want him to be that good too much. Maybe that's part of the problem that I take it so personally when he doesn't hit a throw because I so desperately want him to be special. And he has been special for the majority of this season. But I think the frustration was just taking a step back yesterday. Yeah, of course, every quarterback has a bad game. I've got guys messaging me on Twitter going, oh, well, Dan Marino threw five interceptions in 1999. But dude, that was the end of his Hall of Fame career. He's he deserves to throw five interceptions against Dallas in 1999. Yeah, two has played seven brilliant games this season, but it doesn't it, he doesn't avoid blame. I, I think what I enjoyed was the that he and I think 
as much as much as the criticism that I think Mike McDaniel is deserving of for his game plan, both last week against Houston, uh, which seems odd given they were up thirty to nothing, but also yesterday against the against the Forty Nineers, is that when he threw that ridiculous interception where he just missed Tyreek wide open, it bounced off his hand and was picked. He got him throwing again straight away, and he seemed to get into a bit of a rhythm in the fourth quarter. And to his eternal credit, not only does he hit Tyreek for the touchdown, even though he's wide open, he then drives the four, drives the team down the field and puts them in a position. If it's not for for Gesicki dropping the the, uh, to be fair, Dre Greenall makes an incredible play. To be fair, but if it's not for that that ball being knocked out of his hand. You know they're driving down the field to win the game potentially at the end of the game because then you're expecting Brock Purdy in you know to drive two minutes up the field to you know to either get in field goal range or to I can't remember whether they 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 would need a field goal or whatever. No, they need a field goal. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But you're still expecting you know. Um, so I don't know. It, I just you know he got them back into the game by hook or by crook but he still wasn't great even in the fourth quarter it wasn't the tour that we've come to to see and i think my biggest frustration as i've said is the fact that you just want him just to be so special you want him to do all these things and of course he's deserving of a not a very good game and i think peter king kept it in great context this morning where he said this team would be nothing without him and peter's been quite critical of tour and i don't think he's quite bought in and he was at the game yesterday and he said look he missed a couple of touchdowns he missed four or five throws but, you know, everybody's deserving of an off day, and he is. But for me, I just think the ability to make a statement to the rest of the NFL on a day when the Chiefs lost. You know, we win that game. We're the number one seed. We're the number one seed in the AFC if we win that game yesterday. <laughs> yeah, I know. You know. Because the Chiefs lost. Because the Jets lost. Because the Patriots lost. The Ravens almost lost. The Titans lost. And the Ravens ultimately lost because it looks like Lamar Jackson's going to be out maybe a month so the charges lost you win that game you are the number one seed in the nation you've won the toughest game on your schedule that 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 this year which is on the road against a legitimate super bowl nfc super bowl team i mean to me there's three teams in the nfc which are dallas philadelphia and the 49ers they're, they're the three best teams in the nfc by a mile i don't think the vikings are all that good uh, uh but i think those three teams are legitimate super bowl teams now Brock Purdy probably changes that, you know. No, mm-hmm. Jimmy probably changes that, but they're still a good team. You know, they still are an outstanding defense. You know, Nick Bosa, phenomenal. Hafanga, great. Fred Warner, phenomenal. Dre Greenlaw, phenomenal. Al Shahir, great player. Eric Armstead, great player. You know, Jimmy Ward, terrific player. You know, they've got a lot of talent on that team. Demico Rise is a great coordinator, and I know I've talked for a lot here, but I just, for me, the frustration comes with. It just felt like just a Miami performance. It's like when we went to Tennessee last year. You know, we had the opportunity, the 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 momentum we had, we had it in our hands, and we and we spaffed it all over the floor. And that was another game that we refused to run the ball in. Yeah, and it felt like yesterday we just did exactly, we just spaffed it all over the floor. And I just don't, uh, you know, it's a frustration as much as anything. You want the kid to be great. You know, and when he's not, and I will take missed throws when defenders are getting their hands in and knocking the ball away, or those sorts of things, or or you know, it's tight window throws and he's got to throw it away and he's not taking chances. But to miss layups, that was the most frustrating thing to me. To miss layups was frustrating. I think the worst thing that happened to him early was when he threw that whip route to Trent Sherfield, and that thing was on target, and it was going to be another massive game. 
and Fred Warner got his fingertips on it to knock it down, I think he started adjusting after that. And Mm -hmm. the same thing that happened against the Steelers where Minka Fitzpatrick was spooking him, I think Fred Warner was spooking him with his drops, trying to throw over the middle, and Fred Warner was getting deeper and deeper. And he he was seeing something that really wasn't there. And I'll give you an example. Uh, Emmanuel Acho had a, had a great video because he shows the first play of the game, which is that, that glance scene Tua hits it. Fred Warner is out of position because he has to be out of position because th- that ball is coming in so fast. It's so quick off of the snap that, you know, th- th- there's not a human being alive that can get over there that fast. So it's a receiver and a linebacker. And if the receiver can make the linebacker miss, he could go a long way, especially with their rules in their coverage, right? So what does Mike McDaniel do? He does a brilliant thing here. He runs the same exact play the very next play, the next time they get an offense, but on the other side. And what does Tua do? He looks off the glance route, which is wide open again to Trent Sheffield. To get it to Tyreek Hill, he double hitches because the corner is on Tyreek, and he has to throw it basically away. Mm. So... He didn't the, trust what he was seeing the second time after he had just seen it the first time. The frustrating, one of the other frustrating things for me, and this is on McDaniel actually, is that I've always thought that McDaniel is a great. I love McDaniel, so don't get me wrong. I've always thought he's a great in-game adjuster. He's an excellent halftime adjuster, right? But what I found fascinating yesterday was that the 49ers clearly their game plan was to try and cut off um, the middle of the field, especially the sort of the the sort of twenty-yard area and beyond. Okay. But what that meant was that Al Shahir, uh, Greenlaw, and Fred Warner were getting significantly further on their drops than any other linebacker we've played against all season. And what that then subsequently meant was that the intermediate area immediately passed the line of scrimmage for short routes, for crosses, for digs, for comebacks, for screens, for middle screens, for little slants, all those things, to the receiver, to the backs and the tight ends. So Smythe, Gesicki, Mostert slash Wilson and Ingold were open so consistently underneath. I I don't understand why there wasn't a change in game plan or that somebody wasn't looking at the the, the pictures that were coming back down onto the onto the Microsoft Surface tablets and saying, look how wide, like I was watching just to, to pick out, you know, eight or nine clips of obvious two misses, even in the first half. And even without the all 22, you can see guys wide open underneath that the two mm. isn't taking. And you just think, why wouldn't McDaniel or Bevel or whoever it is upstairs just be saying, look, we don't need to, we, we can change the game plan up a little bit here. They're expecting, we, we did what exactly what the 49ers expected us to do. Yes. Now I've, spent five minutes just a minute ago talking about how we it worked we missed the throws but it worked do you know what i mean guys were getting mm-hmm. open and they were getting wide open so i understand there's an element of thinking well as soon as the quarterback clicks because he's going to click right that that we're still going to hit these plays but at some point you think to yourself if we're not going to run the ball i'd take six yards to ingold on first down rather than you know, if the, we know the quarterback's off a little bit, or I'll take, you know, five yards to Durham Smart, or I'll take nine yards to Moster, I'll take another four to Ingold. Just, just, and then what that means is that, is that the linebackers are being forced to step back up because you're just eating up that, that short and intermediate, you know, zero to eight, nine, 10 yards area. 
So Al-Shahir, Greenlaw and, and Warner can't drop 20 yards anymore because they're just getting killed on on these short throws. And then what that then means is that that reopens up the 20-yard area because these guys are now scared that Durham Smyre is going to pick up seven yards and Mike Kosicki is going to pick up. I just didn't understand that there was no change in the game plan whatsoever. And that when we did throw to guys underneath, we threw to guys that were covered. But there were so many opportunities to hit guys for, to pick up six, seven, eight yards just by little flares, little, like, Ingold must have been, Ingold must have felt lonely yesterday. He could have had about 20 catches. So I think <laughs> yeah. just that for me, there was just, you know, and it's part of the evolution of Mike McDaniel, I think, as he learns to become a head coach. And I think we found out the last three or four weeks that there are still some significant issues, whether that's play calling, whether that's clock management, whether that's in-game decisions, et cetera, et cetera. And he's a rookie head coach. Why wouldn't there be these issues? But we've put ourselves in such a great position. I just think that was the frustrating thing yesterday that we yet again, yet again, for for whatever reason, we conspired ourselves not to get over. Like, look at the game against Tennessee last year. Yeah, the Titans played well. Yeah, it was on the road in Tennessee. Yeah, it was cold. But Miami didn't help. We didn't help ourselves. We conspired not to get over the line in that game. Go back to the Buffalo game at the end of the season where two or three three picks or four picks or whatever it was we were still in a position to you know that game was tight it's just there's gonna there's got to come a time you know history says there's gonna have to come a time where we are going to be that team but you just think all the pieces are pretty close to being in place that you know and, and people talk about oh well you know we didn't have the tackles playing we didn't have this and they gave but there was the the pressure was not there on those misses, and then somebody said, "Well, maybe two was expecting," but no, that's that, that's not how it works. It, I I just fundamentally want to stop making excuses just for bad play, and unfortunately, that was what happened. The flip side is that it looked encouraging down the stretch, and we're a you know a fourth down away from. I mean, Christ, go back to that first fourth down, your own eighteen yard line. I mean, my heart was in my absolute mouth. Like he chose the most <laughs> difficult option. I loved number yeah, one. I, just run it. Number yeah, two, just yeah. flip it to Ingold if he's got the first down. I mean, thank God Tyreek's such a big boy. I mean, I know if it sounds odd because he's a little guy, he's <laughs> such a huge, he's got such a huge physique. Thank God, because Jimmy Ward absolutely clattered him. Some receivers would have just dropped that, but oh my god, it was just like run it, run it, just throw it. Oh my god, don't throw it there. It's like, what are you doing, lad? It's just like <laughs> it was a bit of that day yesterday, really. And it's just um yeah, I think the flip. Flip flip side of this is that I I expect a big reaction next Sunday night. I do not expect that level of play to show up next Sunday night because if if it does, then we have a problem. You know, we yes. have a problem taking on big teams on the road in December. That's not going to cut it, mate. Yeah, That's- and and let me get and let me give you a little bit of a a little background or a little foreground, really, of, of about what's going to happen next Sunday. Are you aware that if the Miami Dolphins defeat the LA Chargers, they move up to ninety-seven percent probability of making the playoffs, yeah. and they essentially end the Chargers season. Exactly. So this exactly. is a big game. And next two weeks are on national TV. Yes. Sat- Sunday night against the Chargers and Justin Herbert. Following Saturday night against Josh Allen and the, uh, and the Bills. Yeah, on, on the Saturday. These are on national TV. This is the opportunity to kill any narratives forever. But you go out and you spaff all over your shoes like you did yesterday, then you're just going to create conversations about, well, can't win in December, can't win on the road, can't win the big game, can't win the pressure game, can't step out there and so far next week 
in those beautiful conditions in that incredible stadium and just rip the charges on your arsehole on national TV. You know what <laughs> yes. I mean? You don't have to throw for 500 yards. You don't have to throw for six touchdowns. But just do what, just show the whole nation what most of us, what all of us Dolphins fans have seen for the majority part of this season, which is be creative, make great, accurate throws, hit the back of your, your drop and ping out comes the ball. Quick release, great eye manipulation, on target, on target, rhythm, rhythm, rhythm. You step out there and do that, and, and a load of things change. But you step back out and you you play like you did against San Francisco. This team's got bigger issues than than getting into the playoffs because you just, you know, you just think, look, th- is this a theme now? You know, that's Buffalo last year, that's Tennessee last year, that's that's San Francisco, that's the Chargers. Oh no, fuck it, we've got to go to Buffalo again next week. That would be five big December road games where we spunked ourselves all over, spunked all over ourselves. And that is not good. That will open up conversation. Don't fuck the narratives that the media will have. That will open up genuine and legitimate conversations in the front office and the coaching staff about what what the issue is. And if the quarterback can't do those things, then there's a problem. Because he's now positioned because of his ability, because of the players we've got around him, because of everything, because of the head coach, because of the atmosphere that he's helped to cultivate, because of the team that he's put in the position to win, but if he can't get over the line in these games, you have to look at yourself and ask some hard questions. And I love the kid. I absolutely love the kid. I'm so desperate for him to be brilliant. I'm so desperate for him to shut everybody up once and for all. But he's got to prove it in these big games. And he's proved it a lot this season in you know, in his ability to be really, really good and chuck himself into the MVP race, of which if we said this time last year, two is going to be third in the MVP race not even the most, you know, hardcore, you know, two and ons would be like, yeah, that's absolutely definitively going to happen. You know, I mean, all three of us are pretty big tour supporters. I mean, massive tour supporters, but we just sat on this podcast 12 months ago and said, do you know what? In 12 months time, two is literally going to be third in the MVP race. We'd be like, is he though? I mean, is he? Do you know what I mean? I think that's fair, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all you got to do is look back at our, at our, at our, Number of predictions where we were pretty excited about. I was I was excited about predicting a three to one touchdown to interception ratio, and yeah. even after yesterday's performance f- performance, it's almost it's four to one, you know, which is pretty good. But um, yeah, um, you know, we've been we've been on on two, and I will say this, okay, he played. I thought he played poorly. Uh, he had a couple of good throws. He had that throw to Craig Craft, which was spectacular. The one to yeah, the Smythe was good. Um. The the one you know the bomb to Tyreek was great because he understood it and he understood the whole concept. He understood what was happening and if and they do they do have the they do show show the all twenty two of that, and you could see how he's anticipating this guy's biting on the dig from Waddle, and I'm throwing it over his head and he didn't hesitate. He saw it, delivered it, and of course Good touchdown. I mean that look we've spent I don't know how long we've been talking but we spent twenty minutes talking about the quarterback. He was an issue, and he was an issue that, like I said earlier, it could have put us up twenty-one-seven on the road. But we haven't even talked about the defense. Yeah, you know? and we got it, and we have to. We have yeah. to. I, I, I will say this about the defense: uh, if I tell you that not only do they knock um, Jimmy Garoppolo out of the game, okay, but then they they go on to hit Brock Purdy ten times with ten quarterback hits. They get eighteen quarterback pressures and four sacks. They kicked the crap out of him, didn't they? I mean, but they, I mean it, it wasn't, wasn't he, effective, though, was it? No. He made throw 
after th- yeah. the throw that he makes to George Kittle. Uh, yeah. I saw uh, that when when he made that throw to George Kittle uh, on that third and ten. Uh, Phillips is coming in to murder him, and he just delivers this ball right on time to George Kittle for the first down. And I'm thinking to myself, like, it's just one of those days. He's having a day, and it's at our expense, and there's not much you can do about it when somebody's playing like that, right? Go back and watch. You know, you go back and watch him in college. Those first two years at Iowa State, I absolutely loved him. I thought this is a guy that could end up in the first round conversation, right? And I know he didn't really necessarily train on, but I thought... You know, he was a really, really good player. And there were some throws that he made. I mean, I'm just trying to find it now in my notes, right? Um, where are we? There were some throws that he made in um, 2022 draft list. Uh, there were some throws he made in uh, some games, especially as a junior, that you just, I mean, of all the quarterbacks that were on show or that were in the draft last year, he made the single best throw of any quarterback that was in last year's draft. I'm just trying to find my notes on him, but um, which is why I'm sounding like an absolute clown shoe trying to trying to do it. But where are we? Brock Purdy, Brock Purdy, Brock Purdy, LAP Garbers, Brock Purdy. Right. Um, there's a throw he makes against Louisiana Monroe in 2019, which is, uh, and just go and YouTube it. If you, it is the sexiest feathered throw to the sideline in between three defenders to a receiver that goes up and gets it, gets his feet down. It is absolutely unbelievable. And I, I mean, I, I, he just, what he showed yesterday is what he was at Iowa State, bit unorthodox, mm-hmm. highly effective gamer, loads of moxie, like, you know, he, he's got this kind of chaotic sort of Baker mayfield Case Keenum kind of, you go back and look at the comeback in Oklahoma where he's, I mean, he single-handedly carries Iowa State back from the dead in that game when they were down like three touchdowns and then his final ever play in college on fourth and two he runs for a first down he fumbles it back behind the marker falls on it turnover and downs lose the game and it's just like that was kind of his a microcosm of his last two years but he was a good he's a good quarterback he was fearless and he showed that again with that that throw eye of the needle throw to kittle when when he got absolutely crunched by phillips he moves and he throws from multiple platforms like that roll out of the pocket on third down in the fourth quarter when he hit Ayuk for that massive first down and he just you know he had a little sort of a little beautiful touch throw to Ayuk for a first down um and and what he did at Iowa State especially in the last couple of years was hold the ball too long in the pocket and I don't think he did that and so it's credit to Carl Shanahan for for sort of coaching that out of him um but yeah I thought look it's defensively it's we just can't get off the field in critical moments. And, you know, we get close to getting home again, but it, it doesn't help when your best pass rusher has to go up against the best left tackle in the NFL. You know, Trent Williams is unbelievable. And, and he still had a good game. He had a good game when he wasn't against Williams or he was running free and they, they loaded up on the... He didn't beat Trent Williams really on any play. No, they, like, beat, her up on, they beat up on McGlinchey a lot in that game. Yeah, but... Uh, it's just the and individually Phillips playing well, you know Ingram playing really well, Chubb playing well, Wilkins playing out of his mind, Sealer playing brilliantly. I don't think Elandon Roberts had a great game. I thought Baker played pretty well. Howard didn't play very well. Holland was pretty good. Crossan played pretty well, but individually they're playing well. But collectively they just can't seem to, you know, 
feels like sometimes they're so busy shooting themselves in the face that they end up shooting themselves in the foot as well. And it's just like, just get they have the they have issues playing certain coverages. And yeah. I don't know, I don't know why that is. These are professional football players and professional defensive backs that should know how to play certain coverages. And I understand trying to get tricky, but there was a you could almost sense it through the through the television set where Josh Boris just said, "Fuck it, we're just going to play man, and then we're going to play match zone because." That's all we can do and do, do correctly. I thought Xavier Howard actually played all right because uh, he got the assignment of Debo Samuel for the most part. And Debo, I know, had some loud moments because he broke a couple of tackles, but his counting stats were nothing. The guy that killed us were, was Christian McCaffrey. Debo Samuel yeah. had, what was it, six catches for 58 yards. That's not a Debo game. Debo game Debo's games are, you know, in the 150 with about, you know, total of 60 rushing and about 90 receiving. Kristen McCaffrey absolutely killed us. Five, five, count them, Simon, five third down conversions. They only had eight, which means that out of the eight conversions, five of them went to Kristen McCaffrey for conversions. Like, that's a problem. Like, when you can't cover one particular guy who's, you know, kind of important, like, you know, they're paying him $15 million a year. Like, you would think that's the most important player on their offense. Yeah. And they they just couldn't cover him. He, he caught eight for 80 and, and that touchdown, which – you know, I don't know. I don't know what they were thinking on that play as well. But they have issues in coverage because this defensive line is getting better by the game. And I know, you know, you can't really tell after you lose to this team. But I thought that they did all right. You know, when when you allow a hundred and this is the 49ers, first of all, this is a really good run offense. Jordan Mason is actually a pretty good back. Yeah, one hundred and thirty four yards rushing on thirty four carries. That's fine. That's fine. You know, you know that's that's around four yards of carry. They're not killing you. They're not gashing you. They got forty five at the end of the game when the game was essentially salted away. So it actually looked worse than it actually was. So where does the blame go? It goes in one place and one place in particular. The secondary is just bad. It's been playing bad. It can't play certain coverages. It allows big third down conversions when the rush is even getting there. I know we made a lot about that throw to Greg uh, to, to George Kittle, but it's not the throw. It's the coverage is poor. You know, that's, there should be somebody running with, with George Kittle right there, and Eric Rowe was completely late. So, yeah, they need they need to do something. About, uh, you know, if there's ever a week to, to get it right, it's this week because Justin Herbert is still having some of his issues. He didn't play particularly well against the Raiders. And, you know, you should have a little bit more of a cushion. Is it just as simple? And I guess we can end on that, and then we'll talk a little bit about Eric Fisher on the way out. Is it just as simple as the defense is not playing as designed and playing from behind is actually hurting them? Like they need a lead to actually play their the, the coverages that they want to play? Are they, just, right. or are they just a dumb team? Like they're just – these secondary players just can't play coverages. I, I wish I had the answer, mate. I, genu- I genuinely don't know what the problem is. I, I, I think they are shorthanded in the secondary. You are relying essentially on two special teams captains and an undrafted free agent rookie from a tiny school that I'd never even heard of before he came out. In case he's, he's legit, though. Kedrico, who's legit. But, he but... is, but he's... Do you... Do you think, I personally do not think that he's a guy that you want playing outside corner in the NFL. I think you want to play him in the slot. And I think next season they'll probably allow Nick Needham to walk financially and play Kohu in the slot. But I think they need another outside corner. And I think it's hard. Um, 
to do that. And, and when that's happening, Holland isn't able to play exactly the game that he wants to play um, or he can play. I, I think, you know, they're shorthanded at linebacker and, and schematically it's just, they're just struggling. I can't put my finger on why and, you know, even their best player isn't playing as well as he should and he could. And um, and I think that affects the whole unit. It's, um, I don't know, it's, I, I, I genuinely don't have an answer as to why they can't do it and why they can't get off the field and critical. Like even that, even that play when Purdy tries to get the first down and 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 Sela holds you know stops him and then like he squirms out. Yeah, Holland's then, too busy celebrating. <laughs> yeah, it's just like lads, what are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing yeah. celebrating? You you understand that the play is still going on. You know another play that that kind of drove me crazy and and it shouldn't because in the end, like what are you going to do? Like like you know, are you really going to be thinking two or three levels? But it's third down. They throw the ball uh, deep. And Xavier Howard intercepts it. Remember? Yeah. It was actually on fourth down. They throw it deep. He intercepts it. Uh, does Xavier Howard understand that that ended up becoming a 28-yard punt? Yeah. <laughs> if he just drops it, we have the ball near midfield. You know? But he wasn't thinking. You know what I mean? And when you're not thinking, you know, you get the interception, you get all excited about it. And as soon as he got the interception, I, I was happy for him because he doesn't have one this year. And he's had two called back. But if he drops it, we gain 28 yards of, of field position. We just weren't thinking. And our two best players in the secondary, man, when you're when you're just not, you know, you're not having a time back there, your two best players just have to make more plays. Like yeah. Javon Holland, he had to be better. He had to be better yesterday. He made a couple of nice plays, but he had to be better. All right, that's that's enough. We've bitched we've bitched enough. And they have a, a big week ahead. But before that big week gets going, they signed Eric Fisher today. Uh, your thoughts on that? He hasn't played right tackle since his rookie season. Played five games at right tackle a couple of years ago. Had yeah. uh, an, an Achilles, I believe, right? Yeah, tore his Achilles in 2019. In the AFC Championship game, he tore his Achilles. Yeah. Yes. I don't think he was amazing that season, but he, I, I think he's better than Shell and Little and probably better than Austin Jackson. It, it's interesting what they think uh, and where he's going to play. Is he going to play left tackle? Uh, and therefore, what does that mean for Teron Armstead? Does that mean that he, you know, that the injury is more significant than we think? Is he going to play right tackle, a position he's barely played? Is he going to play guard? I mean, he's going to play left guard. But then actually, I think Robert Jones has been all right. Um, I suspect he's probably just, I, I suspect it's a bit, it's like, a bit like the Jason Peters signing um, in Dallas. It's cover for Tyrone Smith and for, um, the rookie as well, who's played really well at left tackle. It's just a bit of cover. I think it's probably cover for Armstead because they know he's probably not going to play every game. Even if we get to the Super Bowl, he's probably not going to get every game because now the toe and the peck, they're you know that that neither of those are going to get better before the end of the season. So I think that's it, it's a deal where maybe they rotate him in and out of a few of a few series if Fisher plays all right at left tackle. Um, but I think I was the dead, by the way. I was watching them last night. Uh, they played yeah, they uh, a lot last night. Yeah, yeah. They played Jason Peters at left tackle to start the game for the first quarter. Then they yeah. had the rookie play the second quarter. Then they had Jason Peters play the third quarter. Yeah, I mean, I've not watched him play now for for a couple of years, but I thought he had a couple of good years in Indianapolis. I thought he was solid generally in Kansas City, and I was quite surprised. You know, he played the Super Bowl against the 49ers three years ago. Well, no, he got to the so he got that didn't he? he got injured in the championship game, didn't he? Yeah, yeah he right. got injured in the AFC yeah. championship game. But he's yeah. an established veteran tackle. 
I just think it's a, you know, I think it's a solid signing. Um, and it would not surprise me whatsoever if he started and played a significant amount of uh, of snaps until Armstead is back. And then it wouldn't surprise me if he spelled Armstead at times just to keep him going, keep him healthy. Yeah, I agree. All right, that's it. And we'll have Chris Kaufman after the break. But first, these words. Do you have a water leak and can't find where it's coming from? Are you dealing with water or mold damage in your home or business? Then call Water Cleanup of Florida at 954-579-0356 for immediate assistance. With over 60 years of combined experience, Michael, Robert, and their team is prepared to handle all types of leak detection issues. 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. After the leak has been located and repaired, Water Cleanup of Florida will then clean, dry, and fully restore the damaged areas. Water Cleanup of Florida is fully licensed, insured, and certified to provide the one-stop shopping that busy homeowners and business owners require. There is no need to bring in other contractors. They will handle the entire project from start to finish. Service areas include Miami, Broward, and Palm Beach counties. Call Michael anytime on his personal cell phone at 954-579-0356. That's 954 954- Five seven nine zero three five six, or visit their website at wcufl.com. Water cleanup of Florida. If you have the schmutz, they have the guts. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And we're back. And as promised, Chris Coffin. Since we had to separate him and, and Simon. Although I kind of took Simon's side a little bit. Uh, and I guess we can get that out of the way right off the bat. Uh, you could have your piece. Uh, I thought that Tua missed some some throws. It was obvious to me he missed some some pretty big throws. I thought he he gave Jeff Wilson way too much credit on the wheel route. Uh, he's not as skilled a pass catcher as I told Simon as a seasoned receiver, or even like a Christian McCaffrey or even a Najee Harris type. Uh, he's a decent receiver, meaning he's good from catch to transition, but there's no reason to throw him toward the sideline. Why are you avoiding a safety? There's no safety back there. Like you, you're seeing nothing. Like there was nothing back there. Just put it out in front of him. Put it in, uh, aim small, miss small. Throw it right at him if you have to. It's a 40 yard game if you do that. Uh, I thought he missed some throws. Uh, your say your piece. Uh, I mean, you know, I don't, I don't know, but my piece on it, I, I just think if we're reviewing the game, then we've got to review the full game. You know, like, and that that's there's 11 players on the offense. There's not just one. And, uh, and my, the issue that I have is it seems like some people are basically saying, if you try and talk about anything other than Tua Tunga Valoa missing throws, you know, missing a handful of throws, then you're, then you're offsides, you know, like you're, you're, you're talking about the wrong thing. You're, or, or you're just an apologist or, or whatever. And I'm, and I don't think that's the right way to approach it. I don't think that's the right way to approach it as an analyst. Um, I don't think that's the right way to approach football games. Uh, you know, uh, apportioning out blame like it's a piece of pie. 
um and that or and then or like it's a pie and you know whoever has the biggest piece or you know what i mean like mm-hmm. you, you've got to look at you've got to look at what was happening i mean if you if you want to i think we should get into the game and what was going on um in the game but i mean there was there was a lot there this was this was not the right not a good game for miami to be down to two backup tackles against uh nick bosa and um and eric armstead and you know all all the guys on the san francisco defensive front it was not the right game to be doing that because as we noted in the um in the the preview you know as simon noted that the the San Francisco 49ers are particularly good in the deep and intermediate portions of the middle of, of the middle of the field. And what that means is in their zone coverage, what they do, and they, there's a lot of zone coverage, what they do is they're underneath cover guys, they're linebackers and they're robbers. And you know, in the, in the case of corners and corners when they got corners uh, uh, covering the flat uh, the flat areas, um, they get, they get good depth, really good depth. Uh, and so it squeezes the space, the holes between corner safety and between uh, linebacker safety. So if you're throwing in the deep middle of the field, in the intermediate deep middle of the field, um, that space is, is a little bit smaller to try and throw into uh, with this defense because of the, uh, the the depth that they're able to get with like Fred Warner and, and Al Shair. Um, and so the, the Dolphins had, you know, this is, this is their bread and butter though. This is the area that Tua likes to throw in this season is he likes to layer those throws up and down, they're up and down throws. You got to get them up over the underneath coverage. And then the ball has to, the, the nose of the ball has to get down and come down underneath the uh, the overtop coverage, and you know, with the Dolphins having um, issues on the offensive line, what they had to do was they had to come up with a lot of creative options to uh, to mitigate the pass rush of Nick Bosa, which didn't work ultimately anyway, um, and. It's not an exaggeration, by the way, to say that they did. They trusted Durham Smythe in single protection, like a tackle against Nick Bosa, more than they trusted the actual offensive tackles. That is not an exaggeration. That's on the tape. Um, and you know they they had they had a lot of double teams, a lot of chips. Um, they had a lot. What they ultimately had uh, is a lot of guys, uh, or a lot of plays, anyway with three receivers out on routes versus seven players dropped back into coverage. And that, that happened, that happened a lot during the game. And so you, as a quarterback, you're seeing a sea of red jerseys and three white jerseys out running routes. Mm. And you're trying to drop the ball into these, uh, into these hole shots in between corner safety or uh, linebacker safety. And those those holes are smaller against this defense than against a lot of other defenses. And so, um, I mean, look no further than the second drive after the you know the big bang bang touchdown that that happened on the first drive. Second drive, I think it was a second second pass play of the drive. Um, you know, Nick Bosa gets chipped 
but Nick Bosa is a professional, you know, he's a professional at beating these double teams. So of course he used, he used the chip to, uh, to beat Brandon shell and then just come screaming right in into, into his face, right. As he's throwing the ball, it's third and six. Um, but Tua is able to get the ball off anyway. And he's hitting uh, Trent Sherfield in that hole between linebacker and, uh, and safety um, in the zone or in, in, and, on that play, Fred Warner had 14 yards of depth and, you know, starts doing his best Michael Jordan jump man impression and uh, and knocks the ball away. It was other it was an otherwise well thrown ball, um, even though the pressure was in his face. Um, but I think that that, you know, that kind of set the tone that sets the tone for what's happening when you're trying to drop the ball into these um, up and down these up and down shots and you're throwing it to smaller receivers because the tight ends are all staying in the block, you know, or Mike Gesicki's not even on the field, right? Because he, he only played nine snaps in the whole game. You're throwing it to small receivers into those, into those holes. And, uh, and what ends up happening is to is overthrowing everything because he's got to get the ball over the underneath coverage and he's he's trying to do that, but then he can't get the nose of the football back down, and it ends up being a bit too high. It wouldn't have been too high for you know Mike Gesicki. It wasn't too high for Durham Smythe when he hit a, a nice you know nice in the hole between the linebacker and safety to Durham Smythe on the um in the first half. But it it is too it is sailing too high for the likes of Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill. Um, and that's not to say always the middle of the field. I'm talking also about the perimeter, the hole between safety and uh, and corner. And Tua was Tua was thrown high consistently on those. And there's a reason. And unlike you know, some people just want you know, uh, they're just going to throw their hands up in the air and say, Ah, Tua sucks. Tua sucks uh, in this game. Whatever. Next game, you know that that's just on him. He just sucked, and that's it. I would rather take a look all the way around at all the pressure and the game plan and the protection scheme and everything that fed in and everything was all connected because I want to know when it's going to happen again, under what circumstances. You know, if you sit here and you just throw your arms up and say, Tua sucked, that's it. No more need, no need to say anything other than that. And if you say anything other than that, then you're just a, you know, whatever, to and on or whatever. Um, then you're not going to understand why and you're not going to have any hope of knowing uh, or, or of having any idea when it might happen again. Um, I don't operate that way. Uh, that's, you know, and, and so so I will look at why. I will look at everything that happened in that game offensively, um, you know, and the, the protection scheme and the play calling and the um, – you know, the, the defensive coverage and how it fed into uh, to what we were doing and, and or how what we were doing fed into the defensive coverage. Um, you know, to the, their credit, they sprang open guys anyway, and Tua could have hit those throws. And Miami tried to use a strength, which is Tua and their passing game, to bail out a really bad weakness, which was the, the offensive tackles. And it was clear they did not trust those guys whatsoever. And on the few occasions during the game 
when they actually tried to, to get the offensive tackles and the offensive line in general to put on their big boy pants and pass protect like a real NFL offensive line, invariably something bad happened. <laughs> yes, and I would say that. Yeah. So, um, so I, you know, I, I think that, yeah, you do have to look at the pressure in the game. You do have to look at all things, all encompassing. Um, and, you know, realize that Miami tried to borrow from a strength in order to cover a weakness, but there was a cost to that. Uh, everything has a cost. Yeah, and, absolutely. Uh, yeah. But the good news is that uh, they just had the, uh, an availability and they didn't play the the injury report game. Uh, Waddle was asked about his leg and he said, yeah, my leg hurts. I'm playing on Sunday. <laughs> Don't worry about that. And when asked about Teron Armstead, the word I'm optimistic he will play on Sunday is the, the words that came out of our coach's mouth. He was also asked about J- uh, Justin Herbert's arm, and McDaniel said he has an arm. I believe two of them, it's strong, he can throw the ball far. <laughs> <laughs> well, on Teron Armstead, I mean, what I was, what I was, I, I sort of the, um, the body language coming out was, you know, he was pretty close. Yeah. He was pretty close to playing in this game. Uh, you know, and they they didn't end up playing him. He flew out there. That's that's a big one. At first, when when first off, when the injury first happened, everything you're hearing is like, you know, this is this is a tear, and this that's not good. His season's probably over. Uh, and then after the game, they're like, no, actually, we got a better case scenario. It's you know, it's it's looking like he he'll he'll miss next week, but you know, after that fair game, he might play. Um, and then as you get through the work the week, and it's like, shoot, he might even play in this game. Yeah. Like, and 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 I think that, I think it was closer than maybe people think. And um, and so I I do believe I I don't have any question in my mind that he's going to play um against the Chargers next week. Yeah, and I'm not to get too ahead of uh, ourselves, but. I do like that the team has like a, a pissed off demeanor after this game because they should be. Uh, the execution in this game was absolutely dog shit uh, on all kinds of fronts. One that yeah. we talked about on OnlyFans, man, you know, I understand. And we talked about it. What's great about our podcast, I think, is that sometimes we have, you know, we have good moments. <laughs> you know what I mean? I spotted a flaw in the rules that we could possibly take advantage of. And we did on the first play of the game. We tried to do it on the second pass play of the game. And Tua passed it up when it was wide open once again on the other side. But mm-hmm. another thing we, we talked about um, was, yeah, we talked about the, the coverages. But what was the other thing I, I was talking about? I, I completely lost my train of thought because I was reading something right now. Well, I don't know. But if you're talking about all the bad shit that that happened, then I, I think that there's there's a lot of those moments out there. You know, on that pass that you're talking about, where where Tua throws to the sideline, um, he's throwing, he's throwing for Tyreek Hill to break off that route. Yes, and Tyreek Hill did not. And there was a lot of that, and there was a lot of that in the game. There was a lot of questionable um, route running in the game. And you know, I, it makes me wonder if the you know the kind of the particular way that uh, San Francisco plays coverage, if if it wasn't just screwing with Tua, you know, maybe it was, maybe it was screwing with everybody, you know, in terms of route depth. I mean, there's a route, there's a route that um, it's, I believe it's like third and seven and uh, Tua ends up throwing a speed out to Jalen Waddle. 
And Jalen Waddle, you know, he 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 took about 12, 13 yards of depth on that route. Uh, you know, even though the stick, you know, it, it was wide open. It was open. He was open for that speed out, you know, at anywhere from the sticks at the seven yard mark to, you know, four yards ahead of it, because that's where Tua threw it. <laughs> um, and he, you know, he just he just drifted back like at, at a much, you know, at a deeper depth than you would than you would think. Um, but, you know, we're not the coach, so we don't know how what it's supposed to be. Um, and then when you look at, you know, the, the wheel route to Jeff Wilson, um, you know, looking back for the ball and slowing up instead of running through it, uh, you look at the, a similar route uh, from Alec Ingold, uh, uh, kind of he, he definitely slowed up looking up, looking for the ball and, and he would have been better served um, running through it. Uh, Tua is a guy that likes to to have guys run through those those balls. Um, it's still it's still ultimately his fault. He's got to be on the same page with those guys. And as you say, you know he sh- he should he's had enough time by now to know what kind of route runner Jeff Wilson is, right? Yes. And and not give him too much credit. Um, yes. and he gave him and, way too much credit on that one. But then there, you know, one of the first plays of the second half. You know, they got Alec Ingold in an H-back position, sort of uh, on the almost on the line, just off just off the line outside of the formation. Um, and then they have on the play, they have two guys, two offensive linemen crossing from right to left, like, uh, you know, pulling from right to left. And they have Alec Ingold pulling from left to left to right. <laughs> and guess what happened? They ran right into each other. <laughs> and they ran right into each other. And so a defensive end just is, is absolutely free untouched straight into Tua. Uh, and, you know, Tua's like, I-, I can't believe he actually made something happen on this play. He made the guy miss. Um, and then, you know, launched a, a really nice hole shot. Uh, what we've been talking about in between the corner and safety to Tyreek Hill for a really big play. But then you look at the route of Tyreek Hill in isolation. And where's Jalen Waddle? He's exactly where Tyreek Hill is practically. That's not supposed to happen. <laughs> <laughs> no. And I'll tell you what's not oh, another thing that's not supposed to happen. I just caught my my train of thought again. Uh I, I didn't say it on our podcast, but I was on with Ron and Lewis last week and they were asking me how do you block Nick Bosa? And I said, well sometimes the best thing to do with Nick Bosa and somebody, you know, a rusher, an edge rusher with the, of the quality of Nick Bosa is not block him at all. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, and they did you know, that. And they did that. Uh, the thing is, uh, you got to kind of execute when when that's going to be the game plan. And when you're going to cut him, you can't miss him completely. Yeah. And uh, we missed him with Engle. We missed him with Jeff Wilson. It was it was a comedy of errors. It was a I, miracle. I, it was a miracle that they had the ball with six minutes left trying to convert a fourth down to try to possibly win this game. Well, uh, you know, it's they not made a, a lot of mistakes. Let's, let's face it. The other side of the ball, um, you know, we're, you're facing seventh, you're Mr. Irrelevant last pick in the draft, uh, Brock Purdy, not, not Jimmy Garoppolo. So that I don't, I don't know that I would quite agree that it's miraculous that they, the Dolphins should not have been in that position. And the people that, you know, are, are, are criticizing to a tongue of Aloha, myself among them, um, would I mean that's that's what I would point out is like you know, Dolphins shouldn't have been in that position. Um, you know there are reasons that they were, 
but uh, but yeah, they they shouldn't have been in that position in the first place. But yeah, they they did have a, a chance to, and it is not an exaggeration to say that Durham Smythe blocked uh, blocked Nick Bosa probably more than uh, anybody on the offensive line. I mean that that is that is not an exaggeration. Um, and and it was you know Durham Smythe uh, in single you know kind of single. Um, uh, it was Durham Smythe you know, chipping on him. It was Durham Smythe, um, you know, double team doubling straight up with, uh, with a tackle doubling straight up with uh, Alec Ingold. Uh, it was, there was some Alec Ingold by himself doing the cut, you know, cut blocking him. There was Alec Ingold and a running back, you know, Alec Ingold chipped him and, and then a running back tried to, to cut him and they missed. And, and that was the, the play that you're talking about. Um, you know, where you can't, you can't miss, uh, uh, on Nick Bosa. He made a big play off of that, uh, sack, sack the quarterback. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot, there's a lot of that going on. And one of the reasons that you're doing all that is because you're actually, I mean, if you're sliding all the offensive line blockers, then it, you're covering up the tackle problem, the problems that tackle, with all the other guys on the, on the San Francisco defensive front, you know, and, and they, they, they acted as if they were afraid, not just of Nick Bosa, but really of everybody uh, of uh, both edge players on the San Francisco defensive front. They had chips on both sides. You know, they had chips going on uh, Drake Jackson or, um, you know, the other, uh, the other defensive ends, um, at San, in San Francisco. So, I mean, that's, you're doing all this because you're afraid of the offensive line. And what it does is it means every play has a short wick. You know, you, you can't just, you can't just sit there and wait for routes to develop that wouldn't normally develop. Um, you, you have to get the ball out. And that made my, this was a game Miami needed to come up, probably needed to come up with some creative answers in the passing game. Um, because of the particular strengths of the, the San Francisco 49ers. But I think that their weaknesses on the offensive line uh, didn't allow them to do that. And so they were just like, we're going to have to try and beat you like we've beaten everybody else. And it didn't work out. They couldn't execute. They couldn't do it. Now, another thing that I, I talked to to Simon about this, and I'm at a loss already. I, I can't. I got to watch the All-22 tomorrow. But it's it's been many games of this, even during the win streak. Uh, these guys don't seem to be able to play a lot of coverages. Uh, maybe they maybe they just have one dimensional talent. But they were blowing simple simple coverages that, that you can see at least in in the broadcast view, uh, especially against a guy like Brock Purdy. And then you're you're on top of that, you're speeding up his his clock by by blitzing him. And he has the one read, and the one read is always open. I know he made a great play to to complete that pass to George Kittle, but that you know this should have been somebody there. Uh, you know, Eric Rowe was essentially you know playing trail for, for for God knows what reason. And then you have the one to Ayuk, which was a killer on the sideline. It's man under, and and X is slow to to come up to take away that throwing lane, and it gets completed for a 10-yard gain on third and seven, I believe it was. 
Let me see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, third and six. Third and six completed for 10 yards. Um, do these guys just not because look, if we're gonna blame anybody on the defense, and the defense has to get some blame because come on, it's a seventh round rookie. It's a guy that we kind of like. And I understand he played well. Like, uh, you know, if you look at his numbers and you replace his name with Jimmy Garoppolo, you would have said, oh, Jimmy Garoppolo had, a, you know, a steady, unspectacular game, but it was enough to beat the Dolphins today. Okay, but it was Brock Purdy. You know, you should have just smashed that kid. And, you know, it, it didn't help that the, the offense had a couple of three and outs. But if you're going to blame anybody on that defense, like, were you gonna, are you going to blame Zach Sealer, who was tossing Trent Williams into Christian McCaffrey? Are you going to blame mm-hmm. Christian, you know, Christian Wilkins, who had his coming out party, basically announcing himself as one of the best five defensive tackles in football? The guy had twelve tackles, and you okay? Yeah, twelve tackles. He's running. He was chasing the play. No, he had eight of them as run stops, which means that eight of them were within two yards of the line of scrimmage or behind the line of scrimmage. Uh, Christian Wilkins was a menace. They couldn't block Bradley Chubb. Jalen Phillips lived in the backfield. You know, who's at fault? Look at this, right at the secondary. If you look at the secondary, they were poor. They were poor in coverage, too many open people. They tried to do too many different things in coverage that I could see. I got to see more on the All-22. But it has to be the the secondary. How do you fix this? Like, I'm out of, I, I'm out of ideas, really, on the defensive side of the ball. Your thoughts? Um, how do you fix it? I mean, it's just know, getting I, what Bry- Byron Jones back uh, f- flipping. Well, that's honestly, it, it does seem like um, it does seem like that is something that the Dolphins are kind of that Mike McDaniel is still kind of holding a candle for. And um, and I think that, you know, we might sit here on, on podcast and say, you know, that's a mistake, um, you know, because because Byron Jones is not walking through that door. Um, at least not anytime soon and even and even if he does it's it's not byron jones you know it's it's because the chances of him playing and actually playing well at this point um don't seem high uh so you know that that could be a mistake on their part part holding a candle for him but then you know then again what choice they have i you know to be honest i i i thought that in in the game i it was like pulling teeth um, defensively with how they how how the, they were nickel and diming us and you know how their their time of possession and ability to hang on to the ball it was uh, it was it was painful um, but also you know we're talking what like how many what did what was he averaging what was uh Purdy, like his his yards per attempt was something like five point seven. Yeah, and then and then yeah. you look at the running game; it was one hundred and thirty four yards on thirty four carries. Like if if you would have told me before the game, hey, they're gonna get one hundred and thirty four yards on thirty four carries. First of all, I would have said, well, that's thirty four carries. So evidently, they're gonna have some time of possession. But one hundred and thirty four yards, like you can't fade that. Like that's a good performance against that offense. It's below yeah. their average. Well, I mean, it's below their average, but I mean, it's it's actually the it's the run count. I'm sort of old school on that particular one, and in, in as much as um, I look at the run count itself, and if you if you I got thirty four, if you got thirty four runs, then you did something. You did yeah, something. Those thirty four right. runs are useful, right? Like if you have yeah. thirty four runs, like you did yeah. something with them, like you and, used them for for tempo or to set up other things in the passing game. And yeah, it's just it's agree. just it's striking to me because you know Miami. Um, had eight runs during the game 
They they had five a, runs in the first half. That's a problem. Five runs in the first half versus 20 pass plays in the first half. Right. Um, and then, you know, I think the the total the total ended up in the, the second half. And, uh, it was uh, I believe it was 16 more pass plays or well, I mean, Skylar Thompson, I guess, had a pass play. Um, <laughs> um, but, yeah, it was like 16, 17 more pass plays versus three runs. I mean, the the lack of commitment to the run and to the run coming from an old run game engineer by Mike McDaniel, Mike McDaniel um, is astonishing, astonishing and nothing short. This is a road game. You're cross country against a team that, you know, you need you need to run to try and run against. And yes, I know they have a good run defense, but your tackles are Greg Little and Brandon Shell. And you're trying and, and they're trying to play against Eric Armstead and uh, and and Nick Bosa. Um, and so, you know, you needed to run. You needed to run the ball in this game and find a way to do so. And I thought that Mike McDaniel had some some real genius in that first half, uh, in terms of his personnel groupings. You know, they used a bunch of they used a bunch of like uh, twenty personnel in the game. You know, no tight end personnel. Like in in the in the first half, I think I, I didn't even count the run plays, and there were probably a few run plays that did it. But they they had um, they had I believe uh, eight pass plays in the first half where they didn't have a tight end on the field. And that was actually doing something that was doing things to, um, to, to the San Francisco defense uh, in both sides, you know? And so, um, and I thought that there, I thought that Mike McDaniel really would have gone for it, the run game some more and come up with some, some crafty ideas in order to get that going because Again, I cannot stress this enough. Your tackles are Greg Little and Brandon Shell. Yeah. You know? And and it's not like it's not like you ran it, you know, you tried to establish the run a little bit in the first quarter and it was getting you negative, you know, yardage every single play. You averaged four yards a carry. You popped a couple of runs that were called back. One in particular, the holding call was egregious. The one on yeah, on, yeah. on Robert Hunt. Rob Hunt. I I'm sorry. I go and I talked about this before i go every year when they do the seminar the officials put up on the screen this is holding this is not holding that play is the exact picture the exact video of what they show you is proper disengagement as soon as mostert reaches that level you see that robert hunt disengages and -hmm. actually gets out of the way and then tries to finish his block they call him for holding that run went for 20 yards got him down to a first down and 10 at the San Francisco 13-yard line. Instead, mm-hmm. now it's first and 25 at your own 43. The very next play is, a, is an interception. So that was consequential, and that was a piss-poor call uh, by the officials. But if you're Mike McDaniel and you know that that was bullshit, you know you just popped a 20-yard run on them. <laughs> you know what I right. mean? Right. Right. And, and there, was a, there was not a point in the game until – until the very end where they went up two scores. Um, they went up two scores to, you know, and, and we didn't have enough. It looked obvious that we weren't going to have enough to, to time to come back from a two score game. Um, that was the first point in the game when, when the run 
would not have been an option. Every other time it would have been. Absolutely. And, and, and so I, I'm just, I'm, this is, this is something I brought this up on Twitter. I, this is, this is something to keep an eye on because this isn't the first time we've noticed it, you know? And, and, and so this is turning into the old Dan Marino candy dish and yeah. the candy dish, the origin of the whole candy dish thing with Marino was not, was, was not flattering. Okay. It was, we're losing games. Why are we losing games with Dan Marino? Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the answer was we just keep we have this horrible balance, horrible pass run balance. Um, and why do you have a horrible pass run balance? Because, you know, you got Dan Marino on quarterback. You just keep wanting to have him throw the ball. And uh, and this is turning into Mike McDaniel. He's doing the same thing. He's calling the game like he's a Madden junkie, you know, and yeah. and I th- I think that. I think that this gets really concerning if if he doesn't get a handle on that and get some more find you know find religion, um, then this is going to be really concerning if we get into uh, you know a bad weather game because you know you're going to need to you're going to need to run the ball in a bad weather game. Everybody knows that. I'm sure even the Dolphins will you know even Mike McDaniel will call run plays in, in that, but. Um, but the point is that, you know, let's say the game in New England at the end, you know, toward the end of the year, a game that everybody will say, you know, we should win. Um, you know, what if it's bad conditions up there? And Bill Belichick is a master of those sorts of games because he knows not to try and do too much. Mm-hmm. You know, he stays disciplined and never do, and never tries to do too much in those games. And he lets the other guys fall into a trap. And, uh, and I'm frankly, I'm right now I am, I am not, you know, I'm, I'm more certain that we would fall into the trap than that we would avoid the trap, you know, based on the play calling. And, uh, you know, everybody, I, I got a lot of pushback on Twitter because everybody's like, oh, you know, we had guys open. It was, you know, we just needed to execute and, you know, the players just need to execute. That's it. And like that, it, not, not wrong with the play call. I'm like, you know what? That's that that to me is like sort sort of the mating call of a, of a losing team uh, is is you lost a game and, you know, the players had some challenges and they weren't. Yes, they weren't executing, but also, you know, you weren't balanced and you're saying, oh, the game plan was fine. It was it was just, you know, players just need to execute better. Yeah, and this is key. Um, and this is key. Everybody says, "Yeah, if you execute, there's no play. There's no such thing as a play that's designed not to work, right?" But right. L- let me explain something. If you make a call, okay, and let's say, yeah, if you execute it, it's going to work, right? But you can make that execution much, much easier if the defense is a little bit off balance and thinking about other things. If you show absolutely. a look on a run and then you show it on a pass. The guy is thinking about that run that you popped for seven yards right over your ass in the second quarter. And you're thinking, are they doing that again? And then all of a sudden you pass on them. And maybe you gain that. You gain a quarter of a second on a rush. And if you gain a quarter of a second on a pass rush, it could be all the it could make all the difference from, you know, a ball batted down on the line or a sack or an incompletion or a 25-yard gain. And, you know, when, when you're not, when you don't have balance, you're putting way too much pressure on one side of, of, of the offense, which is the, you know, pass blocking and your quarterback and your receivers. You, you got to have a little bit of balance. And 
eight runs is just that, that's embarrassing, especially when it was the revenge tour. It's Jeff Wilson. I would have given that. You knew he was gonna act, he was gonna run hard as hell. Okay? Yeah, you know, get 100%. on the ball. Hundred percent. You gotta. You, I mean, I again, I'm astonished because this guy, this is a run coordinator. That's what he was. And um, and so uh, you know, that's it's it's really it's really unnerving that um that he uh that he's that he's abandoning the run the way that he is and you know it's getting it's getting him into trouble um you know especially on the road i i think he you know maybe he'll get it fixed i don't know but um but you know and and yeah let's not let's get back to it missed throws and bad execution that was there yeah, I think but, he, I think he got he got a little bit too excited with you know with with to a success as of late because if you think about it, when has he really really like devoted you know to the run this season it was the jet game when he had uh, he had to throw Skylar Thompson in there with twelve plays okay yeah. all right and what did they do they ran for one hundred and thirty seven yards and Mostert had his best game of the year with over a hundred right and the other game was the cleveland game where that was just that was a tour de force that was their best performance of the year they had perfect balance they mm-hmm. smoked the browns they ran for 200 yards that's it that's the list two games so i mean we're we're waiting for it now, it's not it's not as if they're inefficient running the ball as they no, are they're, they're 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 getting they're getting yards per carry they're um you know they're it's just, uh, it's just, it, it, I don't know. It's, it's really that's that's a big question mark, man. That's something I'm, I'm having trouble figuring out. And and everybody's just like, oh well, you know, easy answer. San Francisco is the number one run defense. And so so what? So you don't even bother trying. You're on the road and you don't even bother trying. Yeah. You know, yeah, you're you're a passing team. You're a passing team that likes to hit the deep middle, the deep and intermediate middle. Which is exactly where where their passing defense is strongest, and your tackles are your tackles are Brandon Shell and Greg Little, and they have you know they have Nick Bosa, uh, and and you're not even going to try. Yeah. Yeah. Well, brief brief thoughts on Eric Fisher. Uh, he signed with the Dolphins. Uh, I think that's a response to Greg Little and Brandon Shell. Uh, he's now the swing tackle. I think it's safe to say. Agree. I well, you know, it depends on how quickly they get him. Um, they get him onboarded, but um, you know, and, and to that, to, to Mike McDaniel just revealed today in his post game uh, or in his day after that this has been working for weeks. Um, that uh, this was this predates the Toron Armstead, uh, the mm-hmm. the Toron Armstead injury, so it has nothing to do with that. Um, you know, and, and I think, yeah, I think that, that this is a problem. I sense that maybe the problem is Greg Little here. Uh, that they, for whatever reason, they have they got no confidence in him anymore. Um, because I know that they have shown some confidence in Brandon Shell, but um, whether it's whether it's you know deserved or not, I don't know. But but I would caution that you know Eric Fisher's not a savior. You know, we're talking about where's the improvement going to come from in the secondary. This, you know, this isn't Eric Fisher. I don't think is some savior on the offensive line. He wasn't good last year. I I, I looked him up. You know, I looked at his play because he's a free agent, and we're all wondering what Miami's going to do to fix the offensive line this this off season. 
And so I, I took a look at him and, you know, he just, he just wasn't that good. So, um, you know, I, I, I wouldn't put much, much hope. On, I, I look at him as just basically like a fantasy handcuff. Um, he's a bit, he's a fantasy handcuff behind, behind Teron Armstead. And, um, and I think that that, that might be how they looked at him too. Like, uh, like, you know, Hey, we, we know that Armstead's dealing with no shortage of issues this year, you know, and, and even before he, he sprained his pec muscle, um, or strained or whatever. Uh, so yeah, he's, I, I don't think he's going to come in at right tackle. I think it's probably still going to be Brandon shell, but, um, but they clearly in this game had just had zero faith in their tackles, um, especially Greg Little. Um, so you know they need they need they need to have some faith, and maybe Merrick Fisher gives them that. Yeah, and it was interesting because it, it's been since OTAs they had so much. He had favored nation status, Greg Little, right? And mm-hmm. who who was the first guy off the bench to play right tackle and play well against the Ravens? Greg Little, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? He gets inserted here, and they're like, uh, uh, we're done with this. <laughs> well, it was, it was during the Patriots game, wasn't it? Yeah. You know, yeah. it was the Patriots game. Uh, you know, uh, Austin Jackson gets hurt partway through the game, was having a pretty good game. Yeah. Uh, and, and yeah, but then was, his, his first start was against the Ravens, and he was actually really, really good against the Ravens. Yeah, I mean, and, and he played well against the Patriots in relief. And, uh, but then he, he, was, he really went downhill. I think he, he, when he gets hurt, he, he really falls off the map. Or yeah. falls off a cliff, yeah. and um, I don't, I don't know. You just get the sense that there's uh, that maybe they, maybe they don't, they don't love him. Um, so we'll see. You know, we'll see how it goes from here. But yeah. I don't, I don't want to go out there. I don't want to go out there again with Greg Little and uh, Brandon Shell as the two tackles. Yeah, so it's going to be problematic. Yeah, and it was interesting that they said you know Eric Fisher's been in a lot of big games and. You know, this move is made with, uh, you know, with the postseason in mind. And by the way, uh, do you do you know what their playoff chances go go up to if they beat the the Chargers on Sunday night? I do not know. Ninety seven percent. Well, I mean, yeah, and, and they are looking at playing. The, the, we have five games re- left in regular season, but they they got to be of the mentality that they're playing at least six. And. Yes. Um, and you know, possibly, possibly seven, even eight. You know, the ninth would be the Super Bowl. Um, <laughs> yeah. But you know, so they they've got a lot of season left. They got a lot of season left. So you know, that's probably you know that's that's what he's what he's alluding to clearly. Yeah, but I love the disposition that, uh, so far today. Uh, they look like an angry team. They should be angry. They did an extra day. They, they play like they played like. I wouldn't say garbage because garbage against that 49er team with Brock Purdy playing average football, they would have lost by 40 points. But, you know, they had an opportunity late, but their best game was good enough to win that game on Sunday, and they didn't bring their best game. Uh, that- yeah, that's 100%. I mean, they're, they're best. They, they wouldn't have – they're an average game in many ways. You know, not a best game. Like, an average game would have availed them. And yeah. – you know that Tua misses throws. Uh, other guys are kind of bumping around, maybe not running the right routes. You got guys not catching the balls that they should be catching. You got penalties, like you know, one drive. It was a uh, one drive just before the the interception. Uh, it starts out with a, a a false start and then a holding call. 
And yeah, I know, I know your point would be that uh, that the holding call on Rob Hunt was BS, but you know, it got thrown. Um, mm-hmm. And and then that drive, your first and twenty five, that drive's over. That drive was over before uh, Tua threw the pick uh, to Jeff Wilson because you know when you see him when he threw the threw the ball, Tua's under distress and he's throwing you know he's throwing a stick to uh to jeff wilson who's you know supposed to be hot and supposed to turn around and um and you know and and shield the ball and and uh and catch it and jeff wilson just falls on the ground (laughs) (laughs) like you know two is throwing the ball he's like he's there you know you can see the snapshot of it um and then and then while the ball is in the air the guy falls on the ground (laughs) so i mean you know, and, and that's how that's how interceptions happen. Now, the second interception, the very next play, and that was that was too. Uh, I think Mike McDaniel sort of alluded to that a little bit. You know, about um, letting previous plays get get to them. You know, and um, and certainly on that second interception, uh, Tua might have been thinking about that first interception because that was a terribly thrown ball to uh, to Tyreek Hill um, with absolutely no excuse for it either because you know he, he was on the move but he was on the move but he was clean you know um there are a lot of other plays like two of you know you get one you the offensive line lets one guy in two is generally fine like and that's that's a pretty special thing to have in a quarterback is you know he'll make that one guy miss uh or, or work the pocket with one guy but if you've got two guys no he's not and that was the problem in 2020 and 2021 with the offensive line as bad as it was. And with no Teron Armstead, that's what keeps threatening in, uh, in 2022 as well. Yep. All right. We're going to have to call it right here. Uh, the next time we talk to you, we'll be previewing Chargers and Dolphins on Sunday night football. Should be a lot of fun. The The team is getting off to a good start this week by not playing the, the injury report BS. Uh, it's good that they just put everything out there. <laughs> On day one, yeah, we're all playing. This is all bullshit that we that we put on it, this injury report. <laughs> honestly, it's hard to imagine them losing this uh, upcoming game, and I know that sounds crazy because we just lost. But I mean, yes, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I, I've only I, I was only prepared to be really hard on them this year if they lost a couple of games, uh, the opener against the Patriots, and well, you know, of course, all the all those bad games. But I expect them to play really well against the Bills, and they did. So, like, this is another instance where I would be hard on them if they didn't yeah. perform their best. Like, That's... you know, the Chargers like to lose. It's as simple as that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay? They're a talented team. Yes, they are. Their quarterback is talented. They have good pass catchers. They have a great running back. Uh, Austin Eckler is really, really good. Uh, yeah, they're talented. But they like to lose. So make them lose. We'll talk about it on Thursday. But till then. Thanks for listening to Three Yards Per Caddy. You can subscribe via iTunes, on Podbean, or your usual podcast provider. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.